Thank you, Brother Heyman, and it, you can be seated. It is indeed a pleasure to uh, be here with Brother and Sister Heyman and to um, be a little part in a great uh, celebration, is, uh, celebrating 50 years. And um, I thank you for letting me come. My wife said to tell everybody that that she knows out here, hello. And I said, how do I know who you know? So if you know my wife, she said, tell you hello. But she's home uh, getting ready. We're having a Saturday. We're having our 50th wedding anniversary. One man was talking about his uh, been married 50 years, and they were complimenting him on that. He said, "It's oh, it's been like five minutes underwater. <clears throat> but really, it's been a great 50 years. But that Saturday, then Sunday, uh, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary of pastoring Saturday and uh, Sunday and Monday, our 40th pastoral anniversary. Brother Jeremy Shields is going to preach Sunday and Brother Ray Major is going to preach Monday, and then he's going to go to the Promised Land Tuesday morning. Our bus takes him and his young people out there. I don't think it's fair because I don't get to go, but uh, that's a hill country that Brother Heyman was talking about. But um, we met Brother Heyman. Of course, we met his wife long before we met him. And she was there in Tulsa, and, and uh, she was a little bitty girl then. But uh, uh, we learned to love them and appreciate them so much. And you're very fortunate uh, to have to have a man, uh, Brother Heyman's caliber. Thank you, Brother. Um, for all of these years, and, of course, his wife, and his children that have come to uh, carry on the work of the Lord. Uh, I read something, and I thought I'd share it with you. And it said that it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have been done, uh, could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither defeat nor victory. And that was a speech given by Theodore Roosevelt on April the 10th in 1899. So you can uh, look at a man who has been in the arena, and I'm sure that if you could see uh, the soul on the inside, you'd see a lot of scars and uh, something besides that congenial smile that he is constantly uh, portraying to you. So our con- congratulations to you, Brother 
Haman, for the great and wonderful work that you have done here, that you are doing here, and Brother Don Haman, too, number two, that will continue this work, and hopefully Don Haman, three, will follow in his footsteps. Praise God. Now, I was asked uh, one time to preach at a, at a meeting, and uh, they sent me a letter and said, would I keep my remarks down to 30 minutes? And so, I, you know, and I believe a preacher can control his own uh, actions, and so I told him I would, and I did. But the guy that come up behind me, I figured he had to do the same thing. He stayed an hour and a half. And uh, I said, if I ever do that again, I'm going to take my time and preach. Amen. I've come a long way, so I don't need messing around. Praise God. But uh, here, I think it was last year, the, uh, I had a, I had a uh, visitor. We had a visitor in our church at home. Uh, actually, he was a politician running for office. And, uh, and for, for some reason, and I, I do this quite often, uh, you know, the, the schools and all your news media uh, educators, you know, they keep trying to impress on, on our youth and on people today that homosexuality is a lifestyle that we have to accept. And I don't believe that. And so I naturally uh, took uh, offense at it and I preached about it. He told me when I got through, he said, you're, you're pretty brave. He said, there wouldn't many people preach like that. But anyhow, he asked me or sent, you know, and wanted me to pray at, uh, and he became uh, one of the state legislators uh, there in the state of Texas. And, and they asked me would I come and pray at the beginning of the legislative session. And I told them that I would. And so they sent me, you know, the reservation, got me a hotel room. And, and then they started sending me these letters and telling me what I should pray, you know, that I should make my remarks, make sure they weren't uh, offensive to anybody and this and that and the other. And then they wanted me to send them a copy of my prayer. And uh, so I declined the invitation. I wouldn't pray into those people anyhow. But uh, so, you know, you just have to do what you feel like God wants you to do. And that's what I want to do this morning. Amen. I, uh, I remember reading uh, or hearing about, uh, and, and you probably remember the occasion, some of you older ones anyhow, uh, when President Kennedy went to uh, France and there met uh, President Charles de Gaulle and uh, they, uh, they took uh, the president, the two men of these great countries, and they took their picture uh, standing on the uh, balcony of, of the um, uh, presidential palace or whatever they call it over there. And they took their picture. Well, a very well-known artist took that paint, that picture, and made a painting of it. And, and and they and they said how beautiful that painting was. And a newsman one day was there visiting, and he made it a point to go visit this uh, artist. And uh, he asked him about the painting. And and uh, he he said yes. He said I do have that painting. Would you like to see it? And he told him that he would. So he carried him in a room, and it was it was a beautiful painting. And and the president's standing there. But And he was there that day when the picture was made. But there was the one thing that he didn't remember. And, and, and standing between the two presidents was one of the most beautiful women that he had ever seen. Black, raven-haired, ivory-skinned, blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful woman. And he asked him, he said, I don't remember this woman being there. He said, who, 
who is that? Oh, he said, that's my wife. And this artist was an old man. He was old. He said, how in the world did he get a beautiful woman like that? And he said, that's my wife. He said, would you like to meet her? He said, I sure would. And so he went back in the residence there and he brought his wife out. But she was old and wrinkled and uh, she was anything but the beautiful woman that was there on that painting. But what he had drawn in that painting was not what his wife was now, but it was what he remembered her as being. And and I thought about that this morning, how that um, I, I remember how God was the first time I met him. And today he is still as beautiful and wonderful today as he has ever been. His message is still as enticing and refreshing as it has ever been. And worshiping him is one of the most wonderful things that, that he has allowed me to do. So, so today, uh, I, I want to talk to you, if, if, uh, if you would allow me to, for a little while. And, and uh, if you need a title for what I'm going to talk to you about, I'd like to title this uh, Consistency, Thou Art a Jewel. Consistency, Thou Art a Jewel. Now, we're, we're here and we're celebrating uh, 50 years, Brother uh, and Sister Haman uh, pastoring here and raising their family and, and establishing a, a tremendous work of God, sending people out uh, to all regions of the world, supporting missions and, and all the work that they've done. But it has been a consistent effort. It has been a continuous effort. And uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews 13, chapter 8, it said that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is a never-changing God. We're living in changing times. We're living in times where values have changed and where uh, ideas have changed and where principles have changed. And where morals have changed and men's philosophies have changed. And you know, that is very unsettling, especially uh, to uh, younger people coming on. Is there nothing that is really established that we can say that I can, that I can attach my anchor to and I know that it's going to be there in the future? Praise God. In the book of Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6. Uh, he said that I am the Lord, and I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. So this morning, I, I am thrilled with the fact that uh, the God that I'm serving today is a never-changing God. What He was yesterday, He will be tomorrow. As somebody said, oh, I would love to have... Don't turn me down. Somebody said, oh, I would love to have been there in the day that uh, Paul and, and, and uh, the Apostle Peter, and, and I'd like to have been there when Elisha and Elijah, amen. Well, you, we're here today, but the good part about it is that he has never changed, amen. What we have today is what they had back then. What they had back then is what we have today. Praise God. I, I, I heard a song uh, here a while back, and I don't know, I fell in love with it. If I could sing, and I thank you, Brother Rose, for that beautiful song. Uh, here a few years, several years ago, we lost a daughter, and 
Brother Rose sent me a, a, a CD of that, and that song was on it. And I told him that song sustained me uh, uh, through two or three years uh, as my heart was trying to mend itself. And uh, because, you see, heaven, if, if, if that's all it is, then don't bother to wake me because I thank God for the promise of an eternity with Him. Praise God. But I'm not a singer, so I won't try to sing this song. But uh, the song is, uh, Yesterday is History. Tomorrow is a mystery. And what we have is today. And, and it is a gift. Today is a gift. And that's the reason we call it a present. Amen. Yesterday is history. You have 50 years of history behind you. Tomorrow is a mystery. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. If we could foretell and look into the future, we could say, well, this is what will be. We can look in the past, but we can't live on history. We can thank God for the foundation of history. We can thank God for what it gave us. Amen. But it is strictly history. But we can look to the future and say, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So really, all we have is what we have today. Amen. And we must make the best of what God has given to us today. This is the hour that God has given to us. The song goes something like this. There are so many things we had changed if we, our life, could live again. So many things that we would and would not do. All the past mistakes that we made and the price that we have paid. Oh, how we would live if we could start our life anew. But there is no going back and we can't change the past or turn back the hands of time. Yesterday is history. Today, tomorrow is a mystery. And I know that only this moment is mine. There are things that we'd have never tried and tears that we'd have never cried if we had known the hill was far too steep and we'd have never tumbled down or fallen in and drowned if we had known the river was so deep. So it's the best that we forget the things that we now regret, for we cannot go back and change the past. Let us use those old mistakes a better life to make. And tomorrow we may find the dream at last. So what we have here this morning, and I thank God for yesterday. Amen. In Psalms 90 and 9, he said, For all our days are passed away. In thy wrath we spread our years as a tale. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, and yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So, you know, today, uh, and I, I admire Brother, uh, Brother Haman, and of course Sister Haman looks a lot younger, and she is younger. Amen. Well, I maybe shouldn't go into that. But anyhow, I look at him, and, and, and I admire how youthful he still looks. I look at all of these men down here, that, and, and I tell you, I, I really feel a little bit intimidated. There's three people that you can't tell anything. That's 
a, a politician. Well, it's a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher. So I don't, I'm not going to try to preach to the preachers here uh, this morning. But maybe if I can get something good across to you. Amen. But I look at them and some of them I haven't seen in years. Uh, and brother, they've gotten old. I'm just going to tell you the truth about the matter. Now, myself, I've been bald-headed for so long until I wouldn't know what to do with hair if I had it. Amen. And uh, But, uh, you see, our life is uh, its swifter than a weaver's shuttle. It's here today, and it's gone. Amen. Fifty years, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's just a little while. Amen. But we can look back and rejoice. I can remember services and the pleasure and the privilege of being here and worshiping God with you. Amen. But that's yesterday. I can't tell you what tomorrow's going to bring. Amen. But I tell you what I'm going to do. Amen. I'm going to enjoy the present. I'm going to enjoy what God has given me now. That's the reason when I come to the house of God, I feel like that I've got to take that opportunity. Amen. And lift my voice and praise and worship and glorify that wonderful name. I've got to take what I've got now. Amen. And not save it till tomorrow. But I'm going to use it today. He said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and we are spent without hope. Oh, here a few years ago, uh, I, I, I bought two suits. Uh, and I, I two of my favorite colors, black and brown. And I, and I love those suits. I mean, they I, actually, I had them special made. They, they ordered them, and they had put my name on the inside of them. And, and the brown one, I, I just loved it. I, and I'd wear it, you know, just all the time. In fact, I wore it so much, you know, people won't know where I got it shined. Uh, but the black one, I really did like it. Uh, but I saved it. And, and, and I, I, you know, I said, I'm just going to wear this to funerals and weddings, county fairs and cakewalks. I'm just going to keep that suit for special occasions. And, and it would hang there in the closet, and it hung there, and... And, 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 of course, as time went on, uh, and there's anything I love to do, I love to eat. And thank you for the wonderful meals and the good food that we've enjoyed and the, and the banquet the other night and the basket that you said. I love to Well, you know, kind of, kind of what comes with eating is you gain a little weight. And, and one day I said, you know, I had a funeral or a wedding or something, and, and I pulled that suit out, but it didn't fit anymore. I saved it. But it wasn't any good. You know, I, I think about serving God. Well, what are we saving our, our praises for today? Amen. What, what am I keeping uh, my, my, my worship for today? Is there going to be a better day to praise God? Is there going to be a better time that I can lift my voice to God? No, sir. Amen. Every day that God gives to me is a good day to praise the Lord. The writer said, this is a day the Lord hath made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. This is a day that God has given to me. Praise God. Because, you see, today is a gift. That's the reason we call it a present. You don't have tomorrow. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to be. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains 
of the temple. This is in Luke 22:52 of the temple and the elders which were come to him. Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and stave, staves when I was daily with you in the temple. You stretch forth no hands against me. But he said, this is your hour. And then, of course, to those that were there, it was the hour and the power of darkness. But I believe if we could hear the voice of God this morning, he would tell this church that this is your hour. Praise God. Amen. The Bible tells us, and I, I think I have the scripture here uh, somewhere. Amen. And he said that, uh, you know, those that carried us away uh, into captivity uh, required of us a song. And uh, uh, the writer said, uh, how can we sing a song in a strange land? We have hung our hearts on the willows. Uh, and how can we sing our song in a strange land? If there was ever a day the world needed to hear the songs of Zion, uh, amen, it should come from the voice Amen. And from the hearts of the people of God. And if anybody should have a song, it should be the church of the living God this morning. Amen. It should be you that have something to sing the songs of Zion about. Amen. When I remembered Zion, I haven't hung my harp in the willow and I haven't wept. Amen. But I thank God. I praise Him. I glorify Him. This is my hour. This is my time. And I will praise God. Praise God. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was, which is, and which was, and which is to come. Hallelujah to God. I'm not worried about the future. Now, if there was any worrying to be done, this is a time to worry. Amen. Israel is in a fight for its life. I, I, I was reading an article one time uh, about uh, they were interviewing uh, some one of the men from Israel. And they asked him, what is the secret weapon that you have that enables you to win every battle that you have fought? And, and, and this answer, this man answered, he said, we have in Brei. Now, I'm not sure if I remember if I'm saying that word right or not. But I didn't, I didn't know what the word meant. And I didn't know where to go to find out. So I called a man that I knew, a Jewish rabbi, in whatever they have there, pastors, leaders, whatever. Anyhow, he was the rabbi of that church, of that synagogue. And I asked him, well, what does Embraer mean? And he said... Uh, I asked him how to pronounce it first, and he told me, he said, it's in Bray. I said, well, what does it mean? He said, well, it means we're without a choice, uh, or we don't have any choice in the matter. I, we, we don't have an option in this thing. Because, you see, if we lose one battle, we have lost everything. 
So we don't have an option to lose a fight. Let me tell you this morning, embrace should be our battle cry because we don't have an option. Amen. We have got to win this battle today. Praise God. Amen. So that's the reason I know that we can win the battle because consistency has taught me that we have not lost the battle and we will not lose a fight. Amen. But God has given us a promise of victory when this is all said and done. Praise God. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter in through the gate into the city. Praise God. I know the promise is ours. In Isaiah 45 and 5, He said, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God Beside me, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun, from the west, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. Praise God. I know today is all I have, but this is mine. Praise God. There, there was an officer in the Navy who had always dreamed of commanding a battleship. He finally achieved that dream and was given commission of the newest and proudest ship in the fleet. One stormy night, as the ship plowed through the seas, the captain was on duty on the bridge. When off to the port, he spotted a strange light rapidly closing in on his vessel. Immediately, he ordered the signalman to flashed the message to the unidentified craft, alter your course ten degrees to the south. Only a moment had passed before the reply came, alter your course ten degrees to the north. Determined that his ship would take would not take a back place to another, the captain snapped out the order uh, to be sent, alter the course ten degrees. I am a captain. I am the captain. The response being back, alter your course 10 degrees. I am seaman third class Jones. Now the infuriated captain grabbed the signal light and with his own hands he fired off the course. Uh, He said, alter your course. I am a battleship. The reply came back and said, alter your course. I'm a lighthouse. Praise God. I thank God that you've had a lighthouse here, amen, that has not altered his course. It doesn't matter how important any of us think we are. God's Word stands forth as an unchanging beacon, and everybody else has got to change their course, amen, to meet his qualifications. God has already laid down the, the, the path that we are to follow. And we've got to all I don't care who you are. The church does not change, amen, anything to accommodate you, but you change to accommodate the church today. Praise God. Amen. We have something we can be proud of. Consistency. Thou art a jewel this morning. 
It doesn't matter how important you think you are. Somebody said they're going to vote here in the near future whether to accept television. Amen. I don't care what they vote. They can vote it's good, bad, or indifferent. But it's not going to change that it still ain't right. Praise God. Jeremiah 35 and 1. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them unto the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chambers of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdala, the man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Messiah the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, Forever. Consistency, thou art a jewel. Neither shall you build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where you be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he had charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell, for us to dwell in neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Now, the Rechabites were a nomadic people. They were a tribe of Jewish uh, people, but they were not Jewish, but they were of the Kenite race. And they were connected with the Amalekites, uh, from whom they uh, separated themselves and made close alliance with the tribe of Judah which was on the southern borders. They took up their dwelling there. While, however, the main body of the Kenites gradually adopted uh, the settled habits and dwelt in cities, and the Rechabites persisted in, lead, in leading the free, living the, three, the free desert life. In this determination, they were fully confirmed by the influence of and authority of Jonadab, who, is, who was in, jo, uh, in Jehu's time. 
Now, if you remember, after Jehu destroyed uh, Jezebel and, and the uh, followers of Ahab, uh, and he was driving his chariot, and there was a, a, a man that was meeting him, and he called out to him. He said, is your heart right with my heart? And uh, Jonadab said, my heart is right with your heart. He said, get up here in the chariot and ride with me. Praise God. So the, the, the object of Jonadab in endeavoring to preserve the nomadic habits of his race was probably twofold. Now, this is what one of the commentators said. I, I didn't know this. I read it. And if you find out, you'll read it. He, he wished first to maintain among them the pure morality and the higher feeling of the desert contrasted with the laxity and effeminacy of the city life. See, that mess was going on back then. It was sin then and it's sin today. Praise God. And secondly, he was anxious for the preservation of their freedom. Their obedience to Jonadab's precepts is employed here now by Jeremiah. Jeremiah has called these descendants of Jonadab, who was a, the descendant of Rechab, and said, God told him, take them down to the church house and put some wine out there and tell them to drink. Now, these weren't Jews. These were not people that had received the commandment from God. This was a commandment from an ancestor that lived 277 years before this. But they were brought by the prophet of God, and God said, drink the wine. And they said, we will drink no wine. We have not to this day, and we're not going to change today. Oh, hallelujah to God. Consistency, thou art a jewel. Praise God. Consistency, thou art a jewel. I, I like to, and I don't like to use the pastor, but I'm going to on this. If you'll permit me, I'd like to ask Brother Haman to stand here, would you please? I'd like to ask Brother Haman number two to stand here beside me. I'd like to ask Brother Haman number three to come and stand here. Praise, Praise God. And this is what God said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all of his precepts, and done according unto all that he commanded you. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. In other words, God said, I'm going, you're going to have a man from the descendants of the Rechabites that's going to stand before God forever. Praise God. It's a shame that Brother Cullen 
Haman, who my mother and father knew very well. Amen. It's not here this morning. Amen. But because there was a consistency. Amen. There was truth that was preached. There was holiness that was preached. Amen. There was something that was instilled in their heart. They have not changed their message. They have not conformed. Amen. To somebody else that they can have a bigger crowd. Amen. God has said there's going to stand before me from the house of Haman, a man forever. And that should be our desire. Amen. To see somebody that God has said will stand before me forever. Hallelujah. Let's give God a big hand. Forever. How long is that? Hallelujah. Excuse me. I thank God I have a son. I have a daughter that is not living for God. But I have a son that loves this message and preaches this message. Praise God. And lives by it. I have a daughter that married a great man of God. A wonderful man. In fact, he's going to carry on the work and I'm going to help him after a while. Amen. I pray that God would take, and, and of course they've got little girls, four four daughters, 12, 9, 5, 18 months. I've got granddaughters, twin granddaughters that are living for God. I pray that there will always be a duplicity standing before God. And I tell you, the only way that I can ensure that is to keep preaching this one God. Jesus' name message. It never gets old. It never gets boring. It never gets dull. It never gets unimportant. It never takes a back seat. I pray to God that I will be able to continue to preach that follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I don't care, amen, what everybody else is doing, but they're not going to wear their skirt split. Split. Let's just leave it there. Amen. Oh, yeah. Say, well, what difference? It makes a difference. It may not mean very much, but I want to tell you, there's got to be something handed down to that little 18-month-old that can say, my grandpa and my great-grandpa and my daddy, amen, preach this, and I'm going to live by it. I refuse to sit down by the rivers of Babylon. I refuse to be intimidated by those around me. Praise God. Amen. I don't care. You know, say, well, and I'm just preaching. So, you know, I'm not taking your pastor's place. But I don't believe, you know, that a a wedding band will send you to hell. But I'm going to tell you one thing. It sure does open up a lot of doors for a bunch of stuff that will. Amen. We can get so loaded down with jewelry uh, until you can't feel God. Amen. But why in the world? Hey, somebody said, they got to know that I'm married. You act like a married man. You act like a married lady. You won't have any trouble. People knowing that you're married. Woman told my dad one time, said, well, I have to wear this because I went to the shoe store and that 
shoe salesman put his hand around my ankle. My dad said, if you'd have slapped him off of that little stool he was sitting on, uh, he'd have known you was married. Uh, praise God. It takes something to live for God today. Uh, amen. And because he was consistent, uh, he's consistent. Uh, and praise God, uh, if God uses him, number three will be consistent. Uh, but it's got to stay in the church. Uh, amen. Consistency. Uh, thou art the beauty uh, of what we have today. Praise God, praise God. This beautiful life of living for God. Hallelujah. This beautiful experience of living for God. It didn't start, it didn't start with me. Amen. You know, we've got to know how to treat one another. Praise God. I don't think there'll ever be a problem with how Don, the second Don, Treats the first dawn. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully. Amen. I know churches where so-called they think they're apostles and, pro- and prophets. That they, they, they destroy churches. Destroy the work of men that have invested years and years until they can no longer even worship there. Praise God. I've opened my door for them. And, I, and of course, I've been criticized for it. And I don't care. Amen. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Consistency, thou art a jewel. Amen. I made up my mind. I wasn't going to spend 40-something years investing in a church and a work for God and turn it over to some liberal, uh, charismatic, thinks that he can get a big crowd by reducing the message. Uh, amen. By letting the, letting the standard down. By uh, Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If cutting hair was wrong uh, in Paul's time, uh, it's still consistent. It's, it's wrong today. Hallelujah to God. Amen. If it was wrong then, it's wrong today. So to me, the very fact that you see the same thing, the last time I was here, Brother Haman, I say consistency, thou art a jewel. And I think it's beautiful this morning. Praise God. It's been my pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed it tremendously. I enjoyed Brother Lyle's message yesterday. And now I'm like this. Brother Ballester, yes, he's bald-headed as I am. Amen. I, I, it's, I knew my time was coming. Amen. Flies can't land on his head. They use it for a, a, a ski board. Amen. And the message last night that Brother Alviar preached. And, amen. Brother Garrett's going to preach there. And, amen. Every part of it. I've enjoyed every... And, boy, I sure have enjoyed that eating part, too. That is what is so good. Amen. God bless you. Keep the good work going. You know, when you have your next 50th anniversary, call me. I'd like to come back.